0: Pastor's out today, in case you didn't notice. If you came as a visitor and you came to see Pastor, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, You got stuck with me. (laughs) But um, he asked me a couple weeks ago to prepare. I think they're um, spending the last Sunday at um, Wanda and Kayleen's dad's church. Um, And they were going to kind of honor them, I think. And they wanted the family to be there. So I understand why he would want to be there with them. So it's good to see you all. I'm glad you all came out. Even if you were expecting, Pastor, I'm glad you came out. Um, The songs today, and I know the enemy tried to kind of sneak in and and try to kill the atmosphere, but he didn't make it. Um, I thought the songs today were just such a, if if you don't, if the the music bothers you, don't pay no attention to the music. Listen to the words. Because I'm telling you, the words of the songs today um, should encourage you and lift you up. Um, and that's uh, kind of where I'm going to go today um, by the way congratulations to Haley and Kyle new baby this week um, God's just building our family isn't he hallelujah you know um, every single person sitting here today is on a journey and I know we talk about that and um, we we use it kind of as a little cliche but truly um, the Bible says that In Psalms, that God knew you as a substance before you were even conceived in your mother's womb. He knew each and every one of you. That's way back then, right? More so for some of us than others. But then he also says that he has counted our days and written them down in a book. So it gives me a peace and a comfort to know that no matter what my age, no matter what my circumstance, that God knows where I'm at on my journey and so today we're going to talk about a journey. Um, and if you have your Bibles, you want to turn with me. Go to Acts 27. That's where we're going to be. But I want to tell you about um, one of the young men um, that comes to my office at the bank twice a week. He brings me supplies. And uh, Robert came in about a month ago, and he said, "Oh, a little over a month ago," and he said, "I'm going to Destin." And there's about fourteen members of my family, and we're going to go to Destin, and we're going to spend a week together there and just have good family time, and so he was so excited about it. He has a new son, Asher, and so first time little Asher was going to get to go to the beach, and so they were very excited about their trip they had planned, but about two weeks prior to that, the weather forecasters began to talk about Hurricane Michael. Y'all remember Hurricane Michael? few weeks ago, Hurricane Michael was beginning to build out in the ocean. And um, I'm a freak about weather. Um, I always tell you all, if I was 20 years younger, I'd be, I would be a storm chaser. Uh, instead of a banker, I'd be in my car with all them crazy people out there chasing storms. So in my office, they put me a TV in there. I, I don't know why, but they did. And so I leave it on the Weather Channel often. And I was watching Hurricane Michael really, really close. And um, and thinking about Robert and his family, because it was about to hit about the same time they were going to be in Florida. And they continued to warn people way ahead of time, this looked like this was going to be a humdinger. This looked like this was going to be one huge hurricane. And as it began to get closer and they began to show the eye of, of Hurricane Michael, again, I'm a weather freak. But how many of y'all saw the pictures of the eye of Hurricane Michael? It was the meanest looking eye of a hurricane I've ever seen in my life. And even the meteorologist said that in all of his history of his job, and he was an older person like me, he had never seen one this huge going to hit landfall. And so I was watching Hurricane Michael come in and, and, and people evacuating and them taking two way roads and turn them into one way to get everybody going out. And they were just telling everybody, you need to evacuate. Mexico Beach, you better get out of town and get out quick. And so as they went, they, they continued to warn people about this and tell them about things that were going to happen and how they need to be handling this. Now, um, as I watched people begin to leave, um, begin to gas their cars up, pile them up, move furniture up, I thought, they're preparing to leave. They're preparing for the storm. Well, Robert and his family called down, and they talked to the people at Destin, and the people at Destin tell them, it's not going to hit here, and we're not going to refund your money. If you don't come, you just lose it. So Robert and his family decided they'd go ahead and go down, and so they packed up, and they drove down to Destin, um, and they got there just about time Hurricane Michael began to hit the coast down um, where, around Panama City in that area. Um, What happened though, once they got there, Robert came back last week and he was talking to me and he's like, every single day, no, Hurricane Michael never got close to us, but we felt the effects of him every single day. Hard rains, winds, uh, the stuff washing up on the beach, it had the beaches just filthy. He said, you couldn't even go out on the beach. It was horrible. And so they spent all their time pretty much in the condo. He said it got even so bad with the winds at the, the condo that they were in, even shut down their swimming pool. So they were inside the condo um, because they had made these plans ahead of time, not knowing the circumstances that were coming behind them. And rather than cancel their trip, they went ahead and went. It wasn't a real pleasant trip for them, <laughs> needless to say. He said one day they had a little bit of sunshine, like an hour of sunshine. That, that leads me into the scripture that I want to talk to you about today in Acts 27. You know, we're on a journey, and there's many times when God gives us um, little hints along the way that kind of tries to keep us out of the storms. But if we don't listen to those hints, if we don't listen to those urgings in our spirit, we'll walk right into the storm and not even know about it, and then we'll blame the devil for it. Now, Robert, he could have went down to Destin. He could have said, well, that devil just rent my vacation. No, the devil didn't. Hurricane Michael did. And they they went anyway. So, um, and I'm not going to get into who, who makes hurricanes. But my point is, they had warnings. And they kind of knew what they were walking into. And so, um, this is where I'm going to go to in Acts 27. I want to introduce you to... Um, And let me just remind you that every journey that you start, there's always a destination on it. There's always a destination. We don't just start on a journey and never get to the end of it. I don't care if I get in my car to drive to Cape to shop or to eat out or if I get in my car and drive to St. Genevieve to see my kids um, or if I get in my car, drive to Gatlinburg to see my sister, there's a destination in every journey. Does it, I mean, does anybody ever get in their car and just start driving with no destination? We've done that a few times. It was kind of disastrous, but we've done that a few times, but most people have a destination. So we're going to talk about Saul today and then I'm going back into early acts on Saul and most of you guys have been in church. You know about Saul. This is the Saul in the new Testament. And the Bible says in Acts 8 that he was making havoc of the church. He was entering into the houses. He was dragging Christians out. Let's say, for example, some man walks in that back door in about five minutes, and he starts dragging Brother Walls out with his chair, and he starts dragging Brother uh, Kevin out, and, and then he comes back and he gets Sister Debbie and Jane and starts dragging them out. He'd drag them out and throw them in prison because they were Christians. And Saul thought he was doing a great thing. He was a highly educated man, very intelligent, and very uh, high up in the line of uh, political power in that country. And Saul really thought he was doing um, a really service to God because these were these radical, crazy people that believed in Jesus. And so he was doing everything he can to shut them down, okay? We don't deal with that yet in this country. But don't be surprised if it happens before all of you have gone on to heaven. So Saul even went to the point, he went to the high priest, and he got special permission that he could go anywhere he wanted to and take prisoners of all Christians. So if you were sitting here today and Paul came in, y'all be in trouble. But but, along his way, and he was traveling, this is not not my message today, but the story goes that um, Saul was traveling along the way with some other men, Going out to find some of them awful Jesus freaks and um, a great light shone down from heaven, um, knocked him off of his horse or mule, donkey, whatever he was drive, riding on. Um, and he became blind instantly and he heard a voice from heaven. And Jesus had had enough. <laughs> he had had enough. And he, he, so he had an encounter with Jesus and at that point, Jesus told him, he said, you've got to stop what you're doing. And he said, I don't even know who you are. And Jesus introduced himself. Um, and he changed his name at that point to Paul. So Paul is who goes on from here in the New Testament. But as soon as this all happens, Paul immediately begins to preach Jesus himself. Well, you can imagine when he goes back to the churches and he gets up and starts talking about Jesus, they're like, hold it. Last week, this guy was dragging Christians out, beating them up and persecuting them and putting them in prison. Now, all of a sudden, he's changed his mind. Got a new name he's going by, and he's teaching Jesus. That's what Jesus will do to you. He'll just, he'll just change who you are. I'm getting him a message. So, as as Paul travels, though, he gets himself in trouble, and um, he's out uh, preaching at a probably an open-air revival, and there's this young lady there, and um, she keeps following them around, and she's speaking, um, she's kind of speaking good things over him, prophesied over him. She was really demon-possessed, is what the Bible says. The thing about it was there was some men that owned her as a slave, and they were making great money off of her. Do you all know if you start messing with people and their sources of making money, they're not going to like you? People don't want you into their business if you're going to cost them money. And they, they were very upset with Paul, so they, got, they were after Paul. And so Paul got arrested, got thrown in jail, and here's where the story begins. So in Acts 27, he starts the journey. He's on a boat with a bunch of other prisoners. And verse 4 says, when we had put out to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. You know, um, how many of y'all know someone that's contrary? Y'all know what that word means? Yeah. They're not easy to get along with, are they? Well, the winds were very contrary, and it was very difficult for them to travel, but but the circumstances around them, the ship was in trouble already, but they had to get where they were going. They were taking Paul to Rome to appear before Caesar at this time, but he was a prisoner with a bunch of others. So um, the thing about it is with storms, when you get in a storm, God will find a shelter for you, just like they did in verse 4 here. So it goes on, they travel through, they get into different things, and I'm going to skip down to verse 9 because here's where I want to really get into it. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. I want to stop there a minute and just talk to you about this. Sometimes when we get in the wrong place at the wrong time, someone's going to be sent to us to warn us. And they'll tell us that you're headed for trouble if you keep doing this. And that there's many, many times that we completely ignore that advice. Um, I'll talk to the young people a minute since you were up here worshiping a while ago. Um, You're at that age where y'all are just smarter than about everybody, Right? Minions know a lot. Pretty smart. When you get 17, 18, you're smart. How many 17, 18-year-olds do I have in here? 16, 17. Okay, I see some hands. Y'all are smart. Parents, do you know that 17, 18-year-olds are smart? Okay. And I'm the, I'm being serious, they are. But the thing about it is, when someone comes to you guys and they want to give you some advice. Especially if it's someone that you've watched in your life and you've seen them be successful and you've seen them dodge some bullets and sell of trouble and you've seen them do well in life, it would pay you well to listen to them. Now, I know that don't sit well with you when it's an old person like me that just don't know what she's talking about. I'm just old. I don't even know what y'all's life's about. But I'm telling you, if you listen, it'll save you some trouble. Amen, parents? Okay. Just put that there. Us adults are the same way. God will send people to us to give us some advice, to tell us something. And we think we're so much smarter than whoever it is talking to us, we'll just ignore that advice. In this situation, Paul was a tent maker, a Jewish tent maker. And he's telling the guy that's running the ship, you better not be sailing right now. You're in trouble if you do. You're going to lose your boat if you go. But the centurion, the guy running the place, he says, I'm not going to listen to Paul. He don't know what he's talking about. We're going to go. So that's what they did. And so they move along, and um, in verse 13 and 14, it says just, you know, here's what it says. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose, and I called Euryclidon or something like that. Now, this is probably something like Hurricane Michael. It was a big one, and it came along. Just when you think, you got a break, here comes another big storm. Anybody can say amen about that? I mean, it's like you get through one storm, and here comes another one. Well, they're thinking, we've traveled all this way. We've done well. Paul didn't know what he was talking about. He really was stupid. Okay? But then we go on to verse 15, and they really get into the depths of the storm. How many of y'all have ever watched um, Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah, me neither. I I don't have a clue. My husband does. Or ocean. You watched ocean? How about the Titanic? Okay. So think, think Titanic and the situation there. Think about the storm involved and they were out in the middle of nowhere and the boat's being tossed and turned. This is kind of where they're at. And it says in verse 15, So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. They had no control at this point. They were just, they turned loose. They took their hands off of it and said, the winds are going to drive it. We, we cannot fight the winds. And so they just let the ship go. And, and there's just times, guys, there's just times when you're in your storms. How many of y'all have ever been in the middle of something horrible and you fight it and you fight it and you fight it. And then all of a sudden you're like, I just got to take my hands off of it. I've got a niece that um, Sarah tipped in. you're not here, are you? <laughs> um, She's my niece. And um, she's making decisions in her life right now because she's smart. She's really smart. Um, And her dad's just had to do this. He just let her drive. And he's sitting back with tears in his eyes and praying on his knees and bringing the church in. And he's have to take his hands off. And that's what they had to do with this ship. There's times in your storms, in your situations, that you're going to have to just take your hands off and say, God, I give it to you. I've done all I can do. And that's kind of what they had to do with this ship. So then we move on. Let's go on down to verse um, 18. And it says, because they were exceedingly, I mean exceedingly, tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. So here we go. Things are getting worse. And the boat was weighted down. And it says, um, because of that, on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. And then, um, verse 20, it says, Neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days. No small tempest beat on us. All hope that we had would be saved was finally given up. Okay, so now the waves are so big, they start throwing stuff overboard to lighten the ship, hoping and praying they won't sink, okay? That's a smart move, right? So everything that they could possibly do without, they're pitching overboard to save lives. And it's, it's been so long since there was no sun up, nothing they couldn't they had they'd lost all hope there was no hope they thought they were gone sometimes things are going to seem hopeless in my life in your life there's going to be times that seemed hopeless and that there's no way out but then you go to verse 22 and paul begins to stand up and he says you should in 21 he says you should have listened to me how many of y'all ever told your kids that you should have listened to me I tell, I tell my customers that. You should have listened to me. I was telling a man last week, no, you do not need to go out and refinance your kid's house to put them an in-ground pool in out in a flood zone outside of Bernie. You don't need to be doing that. Now, we'll see if he listens to me or not. We'll see. But anyway. So in verse 22... In the NIV, I'm not reading out of it, but it says, But now, Paul says, And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. Okay, so we're going to stop there because here's where I want to get into what we're really talking about. If we, if we move on to verse 38, it's also going to say that they threw the cargo overboard. So they're still throwing stuff overboard. What I love about God and what we sung about today is the fact that no matter how your situation looks, God will always put someone in your life that will speak life into you if you'll listen. If you'll let them speak into your life. I look for people like that. I look for people that are... In the Word, people that know how to pray, people that are steady and committed and firm in God, I look for those people to put into my life. I, I might not need them every single day. I might not need to go to them for advice. I ask my Sunday school class, if you're thinking about, you know, if you've got rebellious kids and you don't know what to do with them, are you going to go to people that their kids are on drugs and in prison for advice? No. If your marriage is having problems, are you going to go to someone that's been married seven times and divorced? No, we're smarter than that. So on the flip side of that, you need to find people around you. And a church family is a great place to start. To find those people that you watch them. You don't just make your decision the first time you meet them. You watch them. You watch how they worship. You watch how, do they have a, do they listen to the word? Do they read the word? Are they on their phone playing games and talking to their neighbor or, you know, Watch them during church services. And then when we dismiss, watch how they treat people when they're out there. How do they treat people? And then if you're in their everyday life, watch how they are outside of the church when they're at work or when you meet them in Walmart or, wow, don't people change when they leave church? They really do. Um, We get out in this world, it's really easy to lose your temper over people. I guess it comes from me working in the public for so long, but... I can get irritated at people really easily if I start going off so I see people smiling I'm not the only one if I go off on these people and I treat them awful and I don't give them any respect and I dishonor them do you want me in your life trying to help you along see it's not just about how I act I can be holy for an hour every week let me tell you I can be holy I can speak in tongues, I can, I can run the aisles, I can raise my hands in praise and worship, but oh, it's how I act the rest of the time. Do you want me in your life or not? How am I going to talk to you? I mean, if, if some, and I have this often, I have people come up to me and tell me what so-and-so said, and this is how they treat me, and, and you know, I have, an op- I have an option right there. How am I going to handle that? Am I going to speak life in them and say, you know what, and here's what I tell them, Run your own race, stay in your own lane, and it'll be all right. Is that right, Jesse? I got witnesses. I'm telling you, I got witnesses. But I could team up with them and say, I just wouldn't have anything to do with them anymore. I'd do everything I could to cause them trouble. I would tell everything I know about them. I'd get them, I'd get them out of their place. I'd, I, I could do that. So you have, it. what kind of people do you need in your life when the storms come, when things aren't going well, and you need someone to speak life into you? And to blame. See, they had Paul on this ship. Paul was probably the only Christian on the whole ship. And Paul knew Jesus in a way that most of us hadn't even had that kind of encounter. But he told them, it's going to be all right. I love it when I'm having a really horrible time, and it doesn't seem like anything's going right, and someone walks up to me, and I had this happen to me just recently. Amy, just hang on. It's going to be okay. It's just going to be okay. And I love it when I have an opportunity to text someone or to call them or to email them or however I need to do it to get a hold of them and say, you know what, I just believe it's going to be okay. I, I woke up one morning this week, and I have a friend that has been fighting stage four cancer a year ago today, she was diag- or this week, she was diagnosed and um, I woke up one morning, and I was going to sit out and do my, <clears throat> my devotions. And it was like the Holy Spirit began to speak in my spirit. And I began to get a prayer for her. And then I began to type it out on my phone. And it was, it was amazing. It was an amazing prayer. It didn't come from me. I, it wasn't even my words. It wasn't even the kind of words I use. But as soon as I got that done, I checked my spirit to make sure it felt all right. And I just sent the put a send button. And she called me a couple of days, uh, actually day before yesterday. She called me, and she's like, I got your prayer. And she had responded to my text, but she said, I got your prayer, and I showed it to my husband, and he's like, you better claim that. You can tell that's Holy Spirit. You better claim that. And she was so excited about that word that had come to me for her. That's the kind of people I want in my life. How about you? All right, so that's what Paul was being for them. Now, as we go along on this ship and they're having to throw things overboard first of all they started off with the cargo then they started off with the tackle I'm not a boat person I don't know what tackle is I mean I'm thinking fishing hooks and fishing poles that's what Greg carries in his truck and I call that tackle but on a big boat I bet it was bigger stuff it wasn't long until they, they threw the cargo away, and then before it was over, said, and done, they said they started throwing their grain overboard. Okay, so this boat was carrying all their harvest, all their blessings, and they're having to throw everything overboard to be saved. Get the picture? Okay, so they've lost all their blessings already, all of them, to lighten the boat. So let's talk a minute about what's weighting you down. What's, what's in your boat that you need to lighten? You know me, I love objects. So let's say that you got some little things going on in your life, and every time you sit out and you try to pray, that pops up in your spirit, and you can't go any further. And it's just like a block. Maybe, for example, um, you know God loves you, and He has a plan for your life, but you're afraid to step out. You're afraid you're going to fail. You tried it once, it didn't work. It's horrible, you can't succeed. Maybe you upset someone. i done this this week. I offended somebody. Isn't that terrible? I offended somebody. I didn't mean to. I'm not a dog lover. I don't want dogs licking all over me. I don't want them around little kids. If you love your dogs, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But I don't want them all around me, and I don't want them around little kids when I'm responsible for them. I offended somebody. And all that war on me, I didn't mean to. I didn't want to offend her. And um, and I told one of the girls I work with. I said I offended her. She said, "Don't worry about it." <laughs> I worried about it because I didn't mean to offend her. It was weighing on me. It didn't keep me awake last night—not night before last—but it was weighing on me. I shot her a text yesterday, and I said, "I'm so sorry that I upset you about your dogs. I didn't mean to do that." You know. You know what I had to do? I had to kick it off my ship. I had to lighten my load because I couldn't get up here today and, and, and tell you what i had been shared all week long if I was thinking about that. Sometimes you got there's some little things in your life you're going to have to throw off your ship. Just lighten the load a little bit, okay? You can't be everything for everybody. Yeah, you're going to offend people occasionally even when you don't mean to. You can love them and you'll still offend them. And sometimes you're just going to have to throw it overboard. Just be done with it. Little bitty, little, little bitty things like that. Maybe you were parents and you were you made your kids do something they didn't want to do and they said, I hate you, and that broke your heart. Sometimes you're gonna kick it off. And then there's other times when things get a little heavier. You made some really stinky decisions. You decided that you would try the drugs the first time or you'd take a social drink or you would flirt with the man next to you or the woman or maybe you went out like Sarah talked about in Sunday school and you blew up your credit cards. You got secrets. And man, I'm telling you, they're weighing on you. They take your, they're rushing me. They're they're taking your peace away and they're heavier than the other stuff. You do lay awake every once in a while, and, and you think, I, I don't know what to do about this. I've got myself in this mess, and then I get out of it, and then I get back in it, and, and I, I, I don't know what to do about it. You know what? Jesus says, cast all your cares on me, because I care for you. And sometimes, I'm telling you, and I'm not trying to embarrass Aaron and Brandon, but I'm telling you, I love you guys. I'm just going to put it out there public. I love you guys. And I want you to hang in there tough and strong. And here's what I want you to do with your junk. Lighten your load. Throw that mess away. Boy, I got close to you, didn't I, brother? Sometimes you just got to say, I messed up. I admit it, and I'm doing the very best I can. But quit trying to put it back on me. Don't stand up in somewhere and say, I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic. No, you're not. If Jesus' blood has set you free, you're set free indeed. Don't claim that crap. Throw it away. (laughs) Pitch it off your ship. Lighten your load. It's too big of a load for you. Jesus can carry that load, but you can't. All right. And then there's that time when you're a Christian, and somebody done something to you 15 years ago, and you still hadn't forgiven them. And don't sit here and say there's nobody here like that. I know people too well. I don't care if it's an ex-spouse or if it's a child that done something to you, if it was a boss that done something to you, if it was a friend that was supposed to be your friend that turned out to be your enemy like a Judas. Happens in church. Yes, amen? Amen. Some of the biggest hurts you'll have by people that, like, you know, David said in Psalms, it it wouldn't have hurt me so bad if I hadn't went to the house of the Lord with you every week. That's the one when it really hurts. Maybe you just you're full of hatred. Maybe you just hate someone's guts, or maybe you're just a liar. I mean, I mean, you just cannot tell the truth. Everything out of your mouth is a lie because it's got to be bigger than everything else that everybody else is saying. Maybe you've just even went so far as being a murderer, and I'm not talking about necessarily shooting and killing someone. I tell you, you can murder someone with your mouth. You can destroy them with your mouth. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you're just a stink stirrer. Maybe you get up every morning thinking, how can I stir something up today? And yes, there's people like that, isn't there? Yeah, they are. Maybe you're a cheat. Maybe cheat on your wife, on your husband. Let me just put this out there since we're all about social media. You don't have to go out. I know there's young people here. You don't have to go out and have a physical relationship with someone to cheat on your spouse. You texting someone, you're not supposed to be texting, stop it. If you're emailing them, if you're, I mean, whatever you're doing. Um, I, and and I, I, someone and I had this discussion this week. Um, it was about the, the next drug person with a drug problem. And she said, um, that drug can be my husband's lover too. When he picks that drug over me, he's cheating on me because he's picking that drug over me. Sorry about that, didn't mean to spit on y'all. Sometimes we carry that stuff in our hearts. Maybe you're just so full of pride that you're sitting here thinking, man, I'm glad she ain't caught anything that I've got to deal with. Well, that's pride, so you got a problem too. And here's what happens. Yeah, I've always been taught if you don't think you ain't pride, you're prideful. All right, so here's what happens. You look really pretty and sunshiny on the outside, but you got that junk on the inside and it's heavy. You have to drag it around. It's like you're carrying about 50 pounds of bag of garbage around with you. And it's wearing you out. You've carried it about as long as you can carry it. You know what Jesus is saying? I want that stuff too. Sometimes you gotta lighten your load. Even the big stuff. No matter what it looks like on the outside. It might be light and white and pretty. It might be black and dark, and it may be bright yellow. But if it's loading you down, and you can't walk further into Jesus and his plan for you, then you've got too much garbage on your ship. You're on a journey. You're going to—and and we go on here, and I'm out of time. So, Hi, Nick. You go on here, and, and you can't get anywhere. Your ship's falling apart. The waters are coming over the sides. You're about to you're about to lose everything. Most of the time, it's because that thing about you out, dragging it. It's because you're carrying stuff around that's not yours to carry. When they sing "Reckless Love" and they talk about that, there's no mountain that he won't knock down, no wall he won't knock down, no mountain he won't climb up, no lie that he won't expose. I'm telling you, Jesus loves you today. Billy, come put my bags back on the hair, please. We had a plan. What's on your ship today that you need to get rid of? Let's forget pride right now because we can all say we're really good godly people. But every one of us, if we're honest, will fit into one of these. And I just want to spend just two minutes praying over you and helping you release this stuff where it belongs, in the hands of Jesus. Because he's got a plan for your life. And you can't walk in it if you're carrying junk around that's not yours to carry. You aren't made to carry the load. You were made to give it to the hands of Jesus and let him carry it. If you are not saved today, if you've never come to Jesus and said, I need you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior, you are so loaded down and you don't even know it. I'm telling you, the first thing people will tell you when they're saved is, I feel so light." You know why they feel so light? Because they unloaded their junk onto Jesus. He's paid the price. We don't have to do it anymore. Why do we pick it back up? Why, why tomorrow will I pick back up that big old yellow bag and start hating someone again for the way they treated me? I can't do that. It's too heavy anymore. I want my spirit to be so sensitive that when, I, when anything little is even bothering me, I do what I can to fix it. Then I say, Jesus, it's yours. And that's what I told him last night. I've sent this woman a text telling her, I didn't mean to offend you about your dogs. Lord, I'm sorry that I did it, but I can't even carry that around and get up and talk tomorrow morning for you. I had to take care of it before it got this size and we began to argue with each other and then it got this size and we hated each other. See, this is where you pick it up and do it. So as we finish up right now, And we talk about reckless love. I'm going to challenge you. You know me. I want you to move because if you sit there, you're never going to move. You'll get stuck. Your ship will stay loaded.